Copy, shift boss. I got radio check. Yeah, radio is working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. The chair in the vent bag. Yeah, stitcher up there. Thanks, mate. Shane McClay, thanks very much for having me in here, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you, Matty. Um, first, I'd like to say thank you for uh, having me on. Oh, mate, it's, a, it's been a pleasure. It's usually, but it's, it goes both ways. Thank, thanks for it. It's more about it, people accepting my invitation at the moment that I get pretty stoked about. So much appreciated, mate. Be- beautiful office here in West Perth. I, uh, I bought the AU in down the freeway and... Um, yeah, they let they, it in, did they? They, they did let it in. I've got a few dead stairs. I actually washed it the other day. The missus made me. So, yeah, it's, it's looking rather white. So, yeah, look, first thing now, the bit of information I've received, possibly off yourself. Now, you've, you've ruined my rhythm here because I usually come into these things unprepared and like to but you you've sent me a bit of a background on yourself. And as I said before, this information is just too interesting not to not to ask about so I've actually got some notes here and um look the the first thing I wanted to ask is and allude to and the people that know Shane look at this guy that you know works in successful mining consultant in West Perth and uh dresses very well uh this this bloke I believe has fired fired his first cut at the age of six in Cambalda now how the just Tell me, yep. why. it just doesn't make sense. No, no, it, I'm sure it, it does after you no, explain. It's a, it's a not a bad little story, but it was um, my dad was the shift boss at uh, Victory, and uh, his jump operator was Mott Ryan. I'm sure many people know Mott Ryan, um, Ryan Mining in more recent years, and uh, they didn't quite get the cut at the end of day shift on the Saturday, so we went in later on that afternoon. I sat in the ute with my cousin, Jared, and um, Mott and the old man charged up the face. We, we got out and played in the sump and mucked around a bit and handed a few debts and then, um, <laughs> yeah, then wired it up and ran the bell wire right out. And uh, they were only about uh, 10, 12 cuts in. And, uh, yeah, we got to press the button and the vet bag come flying out and <laughs> it was very very exciting very very exciting time so oh how yeah. good is that that's yeah. unreal so yeah. tell, tell us about growing up in um in Cambalda my mining family originally because it was a closed yep. town I assume yep yep so my my uh, grandparents uh lived in the gold fields and went out to Cambalda and my parents met my dad was a, a Kiwi who come across at 20 to work in the mines and met my mum and yeah, so Cambelda family, and Cambelda is an amazing place. Um, we couldn't have asked for a better place to grow up in. It was, uh, everyone lived there. There was no flying and out, so the GM lived up, you know, number one there in uh, East Cambelda, and, and it was a very stable town, and lots of people I went to primary school with, you know, went to high school with there as well. And, um, so, yeah, it was great, great sport. It was five and a half days a week work, so there was lots of kids' sport on the weekends, and then... Melbourne Footy Club on the Sunday and oh, so they, so they had Sundays, Saturday Arvin Sunday. Yeah, off, yeah, did they? yep, yep, yeah, right. yep, yep. So eight hour shifts and um, yeah, the mines, the mines stopped. Um, Saturday, I believe, was a um, overtime shift if you worked Saturday day shift. But yeah, pretty much they wound down and started again Sunday night. So the weekends were all about the community. Um, it was amazing. Could, couldn't have asked for a better place to grow up. Yeah. Well, I, if were anyone asked, were you west or east? West or east? Oh, west. West is the best. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah no, West Cambelda. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually we drove we drove through. I was um, working near there uh, 
earlier this year. We actually drove through Kimbowder. I'd never actually been there. West is actually really, really nice. It's good, yeah. good footy oval. And it's obviously um, sad how there's, you know, it's all quietened down there now. But hopefully it's by the sounds if the nickel picks up, it might bring a good uh, bit of revitalisation into the Kimbowder community, which would be fantastic. Yeah, no, I think it. I think that's probably the future for Kimbowder is for the nickel to crank up again and, and it looks like it, it, it is, you know, lots of talk about batteries and all of that stuff, and I'm sure that'll revitalise it and make it a great place again. Um, I, you know, it's never going to be the same. It, it can't. They're still flying and out. Um, but, you know, I, I still think there's life left in it for sure. It's it's unreal that, oh, I, I don't know, the current nickel price, I know it's, what, it's about 16000 bucks a tonne, but in the boom, wasn't it something, it was up around sixty. Yeah, or something that's great. Yeah, so yeah. it's just unbelievable yeah. to think of. Yeah, yeah, no, everything was printing money at that stage. Um, yeah, no, it was. I don't think it'll get to that again. But um, you know, twenty five would make all these places make a lot of money. So let's hope it gets to there. Yeah, probably will. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So now, I guess compared to most of us that didn't didn't grow up in mining towns, and we we get to say year ten at work, and we start looking for vac work and. Uh, how, explain to us when you when you're going through school and how, how I guess how awesome it is that you get the the opportunity to do vac work at actual mines and you this is what uh you tell us about yeah, your yeah. first vac work job yeah yeah well we we did quite a bit we used to raise money um when we were going on you know under 16 footy trips by going out to a mine and rolling up vent bag um you know covered in shit you know all of that um riding in bogger buckets and so forth you know and but yeah we, we in the year 10 i worked in the mill um uh, worked with uh, the maintenance maintenance guys um fixing warm and pumps and end of year 11 worked with uh, aid um you know raised drilling um off siding yeah and end of year 12 i think i worked with aid again so it was it was great so you know we got to earn some money and um i was at boarding school i went away to boarding school um around that time but could always come back and do vac work so i've done about six or seven vac works you know um yeah which basically set me up that i didn't have to go and pour beers or do any shit jobs so it was <laughs> oh yeah and you get that good. get that good taste for the mining wage nights and early on so yeah. as you said that's well, when you, you got no other option well, after was, that it was four dollars sixty an hour i remember it <laughs> <laughs> I got a push bike and a CD player. That's what I got out of the end of year 10. So that, that was, you couldn't ask for more than that. Yeah, nice. So yeah. What, out of Cam Valder, guys, you went to school with any, any sort of legendary names that people might know that you went around school with in Cam Valder? Yeah. Oh, look, I think, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of good guys and girls have come out of there and had done some good things. Um, you know, uh, you, you know, if you watch the Eagles, the physio there, that's um, Chris Perkin. You will see him on the sideline there. He's a good Campbell boy. He was a great mate of mine. Um, yeah, lo- lots of guys that have started their own businesses or, or done pretty well. So I think, um, you know, you can go around and you can spot lots of people that have come out of Campbell that have done well for themselves. And, you know, guys like Toad with Terra Drilling, um, you know, and, and Mapo and... Um, and then obviously, you know, the GBF boys have done really well, you know, Roscoe and Foldsy and, um, you know, so lo- lots of good on- entrepreneurial spirit. And if you go back a bit, you know, Peter Bartlett um, and, and, you know, the, the burn cut guys, um, Cogger, you know, he's, he's out of there as well. So, you know, lots of, 
lots of entrepreneurs and lots of good people have gone through there and learnt from it. And, um, you know, hats off to Western Mining. You know, they had one of the most amazing uh, apprenticeship programs and the amount of apprentices they pumped through there was just unbelievable. And I think, you know, so many people out there owe their start in mining to a place like Cambelder. And, and I, I don't really think anything like that exists anymore, which is a bit of a shame. But, um, yeah, what an amazing, um, what an amazing place for, for so much of the, the mining heart to come out of um, and it's still out there there's still a lot of it out there just about every mine you go to you'll find a link which yeah. is which is good for me you know everyone oh you know knows the old man or you know mum used to do all the um, database administration for the geologists up at what they used to call bullshit castle but um, and just about everywhere I go the geo goes oh I know your mum Oh, I know you, Mum. Oh, I know you, Dad. You, you know, still so. get the old, oh, Shane, I remember when you were this high. Oh, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> uh, I actually worked with a guy who's, he used to call me Young Gavin. Like, I don't think he ever learnt to, you know, what my name was. He just called me Young Gavin. There you go, Young Gavin. <laughs> you know, and that was it. That was my name for two years, Young Gavin. So, but that's, yeah, that's no. what, we were talking about it before, just the, like, again, we'll, and we'll talk about it in more detail later on, the skill shortage, and it's that's something that's, getting those apprenticeships and stuff from early age getting the school kids involved that's like that's the avenues we're going to start having to explore to get these and it doesn't have to be in mining towns this is like perth perth and metropolitan areas we've got to look at because there's just people as you say and you'd know yourself being in the um you know labor hire and people out there's just people just don't exist unfortunately for the amount of work there is yeah definitely need to go back you know and and go long on this we need to go back to primary schools and high schools and really really uh, put a bit of effort into the kids and um, and their parents and tell them that you know this is an amazing industry and you can do really well and have a great time but uh, unfortunately a lot, I think a lot of the media is fairly negative and especially when there's oh yeah mining downturn who's going to let their kid go and do mining engineering you know so you know I think they had like 12 or 16 enroll you know when you know four years ago so now we're seeing 12 or 16 come out you know it's just ridiculous so you need to put a lot more effort into that that that's for sure and that and that was the unfortunate thing about the downturn as you said there's they had that three or four year period like where it went really quiet and lack of enrollment now yeah that's just that delay is doubled because by the time you get people to uni they've got to do their four-year degree so you, you've essentially lost seven or eight years of, yeah. of graduates yeah. getting supplied to the industry and that's for engineering geology survey every discipline even yeah. operators yeah, no, that's that's definitely the case, and I think we're, it's it's quite funny the the guys and girls that I went to uni with, uh, um, you know, school of mines, a lot of them were country kids. So I think there's a you know a good market there for getting the country kids in. Like we had, you know, Geraldton and you know, Port Hedland and Esperance and um, York and you know, the, and they're my mates, you know. So um, I think you know there's probably something psychological for kids going to Perth and whatever where Kalgoorlie's a lot easier and they they get country they you know understand how the country works and and they fit in pretty well so maybe there needs to be a bit more effort in 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 hammering the country kids and getting them involved well they're and they're the guys that excel or underground specifically I even open pit I assume as well they've grown they've grown up on machinery they're practical they bloody know how to fix cars like they're yeah such a good grounding for my it's a well I guess it's a free education to get into the mining industry growing up yeah, definitely, farm. definitely. You could teach them a bit of safety. Yeah, the yeah. Old farmers as, as, as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Once you do that, yeah, definitely very practical and um, jack of all trades. Which, you know, in our small minds, you've got to be a jack of all trades. You know, so 
um, yeah, de- definitely the case. Yeah, right. So, and, and speaking of the the country education, your your, your days it wasn't. How'd you uh, how'd you enjoy that, mate? Yeah, no, it was really good. It was, it was it was really good. Um, you know, I, I went to boarding school for a couple of years and then um, came back to Kalgoorlie and went to Wasm and um, fitted in well, you know, really enjoyed it, played footy, you know, did, did all those things, but, you know, I really enjoyed Kalgoorlie and stayed there for another decade or so. So, um, yeah, I, I thought Kalgoorlie was great. The School of Mines was really good, good fun and, um, yeah, just, just good to be... I suppose independent, and uh, I lived at the Greek for four years, which is not what a lot of people do, but that worked out pretty well for us. But um, yeah, and a lot of my mates that I've got from there are still mates today. Yeah, yeah. and what what was the what was the accommodation? Because I, I went to Sydney was a bit, you know, the college uh, accommodation. Well, they have something set up in wasn't back. Yeah, then yeah, for- yeah. Yep, they're still there. They're, they've built some new halls, um, which are amazing. Um, but the, the units that are at the back, I lived in those. They, they were fine. That was uh, three by one and two toilets and, yeah, perfect. So, was, yeah, all good. And, um, you know, you had to cook for yourself. We, we were lucky. We had a mate, Bo, he's, um, he's a geo. He's over in um, Africa uh, with Sahara. Um, he's, he's done really well with his consulting business in geology over there. Um, but he, he's a Lake King boy, country as they come. He's still got his play yeah, lunch. Yeah, you reckon he'd give me a run for me money? Or? <laughs> oh, mate, he'd still have his play lunch money, I tell you right now. But, um, yeah, so he, he'd bring back like a, an esky full of lamb and we'd just nail lamb for oh, the next beautiful. eight weeks and lamb mints and lamb everything. So, yeah, we, we, we had a good little system there and homebrew and homebrew and lamb was pretty much... Oh. Pretty much is the the whole existence. So yeah, uh, all good. Yeah, nice. The homebrew, especially when you're counting cents at uni, the the homebrew. That's how you that's how you get ahead financially. What was the uh, what was the your, your VAT set up compared to what we see today? Oh, it was pretty. Homebrew? It was pretty Coopers. Like it was pretty Coopers. We learnt early on that we had to get away from glass because we had an incident. Yeah. Come back one day and. Um, <laughs> You know, one goes off, and then you know we lost about I don't know two dozen, but the whole place was the kitchen floor was just had piss all over it, and the place just stank. So we went to the the plastic bottles, the old Fanta bottles, and uh, happy days, yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty rough, but it did the job. <laughs> <laughs> was the uh, was the goon pretty prevalent in? I uh, know oh bloody New South Wales, the old fruity Lexia, we gave it a good run. What was the nah, goon bags? Nah, that was a no. Nah. Our day was really just. Uh, you know, Flanagan's had the dollar middies and the two dollar bourbon, so it was either bourbon or uh, or beer. That was it. <laughs> oh, awesome! Um, now I've got a note here: the Kageski. What yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, this is the early days when you got into entrepreneurial activities. Did yeah, you show? Yeah, yeah, no, we um, we we made a Kageski. It was somewhat. It looked good, but it was pretty shit. So we we went <laughs> rocked up there. I know we uh, angle grinded the top off a keg put a hinge and a clamp on the other side and that was our whiskey we looked pretty impressive when we pulled it out of the car at the wasn't rally but um the ice lasted about 45 <laughs> minutes because there wasn't a lot of insulation and and that was it it died a slow death but it uh it come up pretty well it looked, it looked pretty good well you had a buddy we had an old fridge that shit itself at uni and we just turned that into like literally laid it on its side and turned it into a 
esky, like because as you know, fridges are pretty got very good ins- insulative properties, and uh, yeah, just pretty much took the whole guts out of it. Yeah, well, oh, that's awesome. That, esky. That, that's actually a better idea in the long run than the keg esky. Might not look as good. But. Oh, look, we're, we're catering to everyone here. Anyone <laughs> that's got um any, uh, beer cooling issues at uni, uh, we're uh, we're here to help. So yeah, yeah, get a get a fridge, take the guts out of it. There you go. Yeah, You're done. Sorted. Yeah. Um, now onto your onto your. I guess your first job out of mine, and where'd you, where'd you head to, Shane? So, Our first job out of uni, so Yeah, yeah, no, good good question. Um, so, you know, ha- having a family from Canberra, the, the last thing I wanted to do was be, you know, oh, you're only here because your dad, you know, that type of thing. So I first thing I did was kind of get out of there. Western Mining offered me a job, but I knocked it back. Um, I uh, ended up going to work for Elton for five years. I worked for Elton, and... And that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Really enjoyed working for them and, um, you know, just getting down the hole and get my underground time under the belt. That was, was all about. So, yeah, loved it. Loved it. It was a really good experience. Got to go to about four or five different mines and do different things. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll look, I'll look at your frame, Shane. Now, mm. tell us about your suitability for the shit stick, the air leg. Mate. <laughs> if it's anyone that's going to – you're pretty lean, lean character even after living the office life. So you're yeah. a perfect upper rise. Yeah, well uh, – the funny thing was, one of the first things I had, to, well, it was quite funny. I, I made my own opportunity at Black Swan when I was the engineer there. We had this, you know, there was, all the ore bodies were named after, you know, there was Black Swan and White Swan and Gosling and all of that. And there was this little one called the Black Duck. So I nailed that and I said, I want to mine that as, you know, I want to get my air leg time. So um, they, they let me do it and I went in there and they put the first drive in. The first thing we had to do was put a, uh, a riser and I was fairly new to it, and uh, Pete Katoy actually helped me out, and uh, he took the first cut, and then it was like, get into it. Yeah, and, right. um, Yeah, it was near on vertical, and uh, I got my cut a day, but it was bloody hard work, but... No, no yeah. pilot holes back then, I don't... No, you know, no, yeah. no, it was reamers, and um, yeah, it was, it was hard work, but uh, got it up, and... Uh, yeah, was there for three, three or four months, and yeah, got into it. it. Was it was good, but I learned very early on that if you start wrestling it, you're in trouble. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah it's all about balance. And Pete, Pete Katoy, I don't know if you know him. He's a, he's a good man, and um, he there's not much of him either. And he's he's probably one of the best going around. So. Uh, yeah, if there was any tricks to how to how to manoeuvre it, he was all over it. So well, yeah, that's what John O was saying, like bloody uh, Stanco. There's not no, nothing, not, nothing, nothing to him. Nah, he's he's in his seventies yeah. still, bloody. Yeah, <laughs> still, yeah, it's unbelievable. And even because even John O said, I said, how do you bloody carry that thing up? And I, I didn't even know you had to actually use the leg. Use the actually, leg, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scissor it up there, and yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, you don't want to start. Start wrestling that, you've been strife by uh, play lunch. Yeah, yeah exactly. So how how do you, how'd you rate um, back then doing your doing your engineering time with the with a contractor compared to the client? Was it how was it different back then? Uh, look, it was good. I, I was I was lucky enough that um, at one stage I got um, seconded to the client. So I was a, I was working for Elton, but I was the mining engineer um, or one of the mining engineers at Black Swan. So, so that was really good. So I became a part of them, uh, part of their business, and and that's what I did, you know, design and scheduling and that, that sort of stuff. So, um, so that worked out really, really good. That was an amazing mine. Black Swan was just incredible, and to be a part of that. So I, I spent a year as the site engineer, a year, year and a half, including my air leg time, and then, and then went on to do the design and stuff. And that was, that that was great. We did some good stuff there, and yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. Thirteen percent nickel. Yeah, um, right. Like, Jeez. Just, heavy as anything. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. You didn't need to put mush in the back of a truck before it was um, overloaded, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Where, where'd you, I guess, where'd your initial passion lie? Like, you know, young, like, running around underground and the engineering, did you, did you see that... You know, the, the more technical side was going to be the path you were going to go down, or I gather that's the purpose you did mining engineering. Well, it's it, it it kind of yeah, I think it was. You know, I, I do definitely enjoy the technical side of it, but um, I consider myself pretty practical as well. You know, like actually one of the well, the, you know, the the jobs that I really enjoyed doing underground. Funny enough, one of the ones was service crew. Yeah. Like I, I thought that was I learned so much with service crew. You know, I. I learned a lot about pumping and a lot about um, you know, electrical while doing that job, and um, and that like even today, like, um, if the boys here want to know anything um, about pumping, they come and see us, and I still know, yep. you know, yeah, you do that, do that, use this pump, not that pump, and uh, yep. they're no good for dirty water, and you know, so um, yeah, I, I do enjoy the the mechanical side in, in that respect, um, yeah, so. Um, the technical side I, I do enjoy as well, but I suppose that's that is one of my strengths, the mechanical side of mining. Yeah, yeah but yeah. and there's I guess you got to take uh, when you're on guys that are listening that are on service crew. You got to take all the opportunities when you got sparkies down there and you're working with them. There's just so much extra cool shit to know. Yeah, like there, the, yeah. how you um, just your whole electrical DBs and jumbo boxes work, and how why, why you're using the thicker cable and the thinner cable, yeah, and then, yeah. like going into as you said, the pumping, the monos, how monos work compared to flight pumps, and yep, yeah, yep. yeah, no, look, it's it's all there. I think you know, ask the questions. Um, yeah, the electrical side is is really interesting. I do get into that even today um, because really that's that's the future as well, you know, and um, you know there will be a lot more electrical equipment underground. Um, so having a good understanding about how it all works is is pretty important, I think. Because yeah. is a, all the a lot of the pumps and um, electrical side of things has it, has it evolved much since when you were doing no. the underground time? It's pretty no. similar to what no. it actually is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So where the the monos have changed a tiny bit. You know, we you know the one hundred threes are uh, wasn't around in our day. It was a one hundred two or an eighty four, is what we use for our um, travelling monos, but virtually identical. No, there's bugger all difference. Flight pumps, we were using flight pumps, eights yeah. and eights and twenties, you know, and fives. You know, there's so yeah. So um I think, you know, there's been some incremental improvements, but it's the same. It's a very um I don't know if you'd say it's an unevolving industry model oh, no, sometimes, but, it, but it's just it's just, or they just had it pretty spot on early on. Like you're yeah. still using bolts and mesh and you're still drilling pretty similar burns and it's a it might it really it makes I really appreciate the what was being done in the 70s and 80s how good it was the fact that it hasn't really changed now in 2019 yeah, yeah no that's for sure a lot of it you know going back to Cambelda evolved from there um you know the one of the first declines in australia is in Cambelda and yeah which one was that uh otter yeah otter oh, okay yeah. there you go yeah oh fun facts with shade yeah, oh, yeah that's that right. i'm gonna regurgitate so, anything you give me today don't worry probably say i'm wrong but, <laughs> um you can usually tell because they're quite small it's, it's only it's a tiny portal and yep. the funny thing is you you go in otter and it's like it's like a time machine you go in and it's you know four by four and then you go down a bit further and it's four and a half by four and a half and by the time you get to the bottom it's six by six near on yeah, you know, right. and some are square profiles and some are yeah. arched and you can almost it's like a time machine when the manager changed um but yeah that's pretty amazing mine that one yeah so when when'd you head there um so i headed there uh that was i worked there with the gbf guys so um with paul fife 
Senior and um, Pete Teasdale. Um, so that's when the GBF boys first bought the mine uh, in 2002. So that was restarting it after Western Mining, well, BHP sold it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and uh, another fun fact is that they were 997 metres deep when they sold it. So we were celebrating the 1,000 metre yeah, mark right. on about, you know, very T- early T-shirt on. T-shirts straight up Yeah, there. that's right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that mine went down to about 1.6. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, amazing, long way down. Yeah, yeah, very, very notoriously, very seismic. Oh, just the whole Cambalda region. Yeah, you know, yeah. How, how'd you go? Um, how, how did you find the seismicity? Did it? Uh, I know some people doesn't bother them. Some people can't handle it at all. All degrees. It, it got a bit worse as they got, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred down. It wasn't too bad in the basalt because the basalt's as hard as down there. And if that loads up, that can go bang. But most of the ground problems are more to do with the ultramafic, you know, ultramafic hanging wall and trying to take the 30-degree slots out in that and trying to keep that ground up and, yeah. you know, looking after the pillars. So that was probably more of the issues we had when I was there. But it did get more seismic because it got deeper and, you know, that have 10-tonne smack out of the wall here and there. But, yeah, um, yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't too bad, funny enough. Yeah. yeah, was it ultramafic? Did you have any like? Was it more convergence? Yeah. was the issue rather than seismicity because it was yeah. softer. Yep. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah def- definitely. So the, yeah, no, that was definitely the case. Yep. So because what like so the I guess the ore body specifically was it nickel was it an ultramafic sort of hanging wall and wall with a football bas- basalt. Yeah, that yeah. that was probably eighty percent of it. Yeah. In some spots, you know, where it pinched out, it might be basalt basalt, and some might be serp serp, but majority of it was basalt football yeah and then ultramafic hanging wall and you know obviously your declines in the basalt and the hard stuff and yeah yeah that was that was it yeah um, cool yeah it's good great mine really 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 amazing mine but hey, and were you and were you living in Cambalda when you were working there yeah i did actually yep yeah I, I lived in Cambalda. i was living in cattle uh, for a bit and then just driving that road every day yeah i'd see an incident at least a close call a week and yeah. it was just freaking me out so um yeah we moved down to Cambelda, yeah um which is the first time i'd lived there since i was 14 so yeah right. but that was, that was all right yeah it's something, something i've always wanted to do i suppose there's opportunities in kalgoorlie now but like it just being able to drive straight home after working at a mine mate as a majority of us in the industry now FIFA, you don't you don't know what that feels like it'd be um yeah to be a great life i could see it being such a great lifestyle yeah yeah i reckon kalgoorlie is a good opportunity uh for people that you know are getting getting tired of that flying and out we yeah. I, I did it for a couple of years and um and ended up moving to uh my, my wife and my little daughter ended up moving to leonora Yep. Um, to so we could do residential again. So it didn't work for us. Oh, so you lived in Leonora? Yeah. yeah right, so for right. half yep. the time I was in Leonora, um, yep. I did flying out, and then the second yep. half we uh, we lived there. Yeah. Yeah. Just just the flying and out was just too tough for us. Yeah. You know, it's not for everyone, and um, pro- probably you know people need to know that it is an option. You know, mm. don't be afraid to go and live in one of these mining towns because. Uh, you know, it, it's a good option. Some of the towns are good. Kalgoorlie is a great town. I, I love yeah. Kalgoorlie. Oh, you talk you know. to people that live there, um, yeah. work in the mine. They just absolutely swear by. There's so much, so much sport. There's so much for your yeah. family to do. Like it's just, it's fantastic lifestyle. Yeah. Everyone just yeah. loves it, and it's uh, hopefully it really gets revitalised. So yeah. I know, I know, North, like Northern Star really pushing people to live there, and yeah. and like, look, get on board. Great, yeah. and that's the thing. Like I know, like say me personally, like I know. 
yeah, I mightn't mightn't do FIFO forever in this. So as you say, there is that option to whether you go do it for two or three years, or yeah, there, there is an option to try it out. You yeah. might like it, and you might do it forever. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, n- none of these things are for everyone. And the good thing is, is there is options, and I think people need to really explore them and try them out. You know, go up there for six months and give it a shot. If it doesn't work, come back. You know, yeah. like. You, you don't know and it's um i think the mining companies are pretty very supportive of it as well you know yeah. so they tend to look after people up there and um yeah it is it's good it's good going home every night that's for sure yeah, yeah. no definitely um now the, let's talk about the where you i guess where your career really started taking off when you started uh heading to more to your supervisor management positions where give us the Give us the uh, chronological order of that yep. chart. So the, the first underground manager's role I got, I was 28 and um, got a job at uh, the Empress Mine in Kulgadi, uh, which is near, near Tim, Tyndall's for MPI Mines. So that, that was, a, um, that was a, a great job, good learning experience. Um, you know, just kept putting my hand up, you know, just uh, being very, uh, not so aggressive, but being on the front foot about opportunities and, you know, landed that job and did that and um, really learnt a lot um, taking on that statutory position, um, which is a big a big thing for a young bloke. Or 20, young, 28, young that's uh, commendable. How you, would you find that, like, at 28? Pretty, a lot of, bit in the deep end at the start? Oh, most definitely, yeah, yeah. No, in the deep end, I, had, um, I was working with Dave McGowan, uh, or Moggy McGowan, um, he was he was very supportive. I'd worked with him in Elton, um, so he knew me, and um, he was very supportive. And uh, he's a good man. And um, yeah, together we we got that place going. And yeah, it was good. And um, yeah, I think it's always important to align yourself with good people, and you know, making sure that you're in the right environment. Um, because if you're in the wrong environment, you don't have any support, then it gets really tough. Um, but you know, being in there with Dave was uh, was good. Yeah, and we got some. You know, got a good engineer in there, um, and yeah, we we had a great team. So, yep. yeah, so yeah, did that, and then um, and then um, yeah, then moved on to uh, working for Ruck. I did a couple of years as the operations manager with them, the, doing raised drilling and you know small sh- shaft sinks, and yep. yeah, getting into that. So that was really interesting. That was the first kind of management role in a contractor. So I got to learn the contracting side of business, which was which is really important and. I suppose what I've learnt out of doing both is that at the end of the day for um, to have a, a good relationship with a contractor, everyone needs to win. And I think that's not always evident when you're dealing with people that, you know, a lot of people try to screw the contractor. And I think you're kidding yourselves if you think that is that is a good strategy because if the contractor's not making money, then they're not going to give the resources. And, and, you know, if you don't get the resources, then you're not going to get your production and, um, you know, your physical. So I think, you know, it is a relationship. It can still be a schedule of rates or whatever. You don't have to do all these alliances and all of that, but, but you, you need to respect each other and respect their business and, and understand that everyone needs to make money. And if everyone's not making money, then, um, you know, it's more, more likely to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's that's even interesting in itself. Like you went from 20, 28 as an underground manager, and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to throw myself in the deep end again. I'm going to go ops manager for a contractor in shaft sinking, which is, yeah. I guess that's a that would have been a whole whole another learning curve. Yeah, for yeah. You, it was. It? it was. The majority of the work we did was raised drilling. So we'd do the 50, 60 meter shaft sinks 
um, you know, in the in the shit ground where you can't raise drill. So it wasn't the big, you know, telfers or anything like that. But it was still a again another learning curve on, you know, d you know, go back to the mines department and you know try and get these things through and um, you know get them all approved is, uh, yeah, another another world. But um, yeah, so all, all of these things are just great tools to have in your toolbox of life and and for your career to to go forward. So. You know, when we're doing studies now, you know, I could say, oh, yeah, yeah no, I know what to do there. We'll yeah. shaft sink that or we'll put some piling or, yeah, you know, you just, you know, you, you've done it. You can at least say, yeah, I've done that. I've seen that. You know, we did that at Golden Grove or we did that over, you know, um, Cadia or, you know, whatever. So you yeah. can, yeah, very important to get that. Um, I feel like my career, to you know, was a smorgasbord where I got to try all these different things like a mining sizzler was Mine, it yeah. well it was it was it was a sushi train maybe. oh no it could be a higher market <laughs> epicurean i guess oh no don't worry about that yeah, yeah. but it's um and even like client and contractor for like let's for engineers i guess working with each it's two it's just two totally different languages when you you go be an engineer for a client then as yourself being a manager for a contractor it's just it's such total different information you're dealing with every yeah. day like it's all a lot of a lot of data crunching and everything mm. with contractor it's just yeah it's 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 a great exposure to have if you do get the opportunity of being a doing both sides I yeah guess. i think um from what i've seen in my experience is when you're working for the client as a um as a mining engineer um it's all about design schedules and and physicals and when you're working for the contractor it's all about dollars and cents yeah. and i think um a lot of client contract you know, a lot of company engineers don't understand dollars and cents what's your cost per ton you know you know all, all of these things they don't they don't get it's all about physicals and that's just what the nature of the job so i think getting that all around um you know the physical side and then the dollar side and then then you can bring that together because at the end of the day mining's a business and you've got to get you know it's all about both um so yeah that that understanding i think is crucial in 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 moving forward and moving up the ladder yeah um, and, and as you said if the contractor's not making money and not getting their utilizations down and they if they're their figures that they're looking at aren't good. It's not good for the client. It's, it's getting that, as you said, they're getting that crossover and yep. I guess the collaboration between the contractor and the client. I guess, yeah. mate, the, and you've probably seen it yourself, the most successful operating mines where you would have had the, an awesome client-contractor relationship, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, de definitely, definitely the case. Um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that most of the places I've worked at have had a pretty good relationship. Um, uh, a lot of the time it comes down to grade, you know, obviously if the, <laughs> you've still got to have, for everyone to make a profit, the business has got to be making a profit. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of mines that do it tough don't really have an option and then start screwing the contractor and then it's going to go, you know, it's going to go ass up anyway. So, yeah. But um, I'm fortunate enough to never to have been in that situation, but at the end of the day, the mine's got to make money. Oh, great, great, yeah. great is king, as, as oh, everyone knows. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so when did you head to, you mentioned Leonora earlier, when did you, you head to sunny Leonora? Yeah, so I was, um, uh, I was approached um, for a job as a project manager when the restart of Gualia. So this was, um, Ed Issues was running Gualia and had the balls and the foresight to see that, you know, um, at 1100 meters below surface there was a lot of gold well starting 
So, um, you know, they'd been mining, you know, I could go on for a whole podcast about the history of the joint, but um, they'd been mining, underground mining, um, you know, in the old timers down to about that depth, um, high-grade high stuff, and then there'd been more modern mining down to about 400 metres. And um, Ed's vision was to take the place from 400 metres down to 16, 1700 metres, which is where they are today. So it required a big capital investment and two years of decline development and... Yeah, it was full on. So my job was the, I was initially the project manager of that and that led on to me a few years later being the general manager. So I always held the resident, resident manager's ticket. But yeah, yeah so that was, um, that was a big job, you know, the, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and a plant upgrade and um, yeah, took the place from virtually a ghost town to, um, you know, a mining production with 400 odd people. And, yeah. yeah, amazing job, amazing experience. So was that was it Leonora the town when you arrived? Was it pretty bloody like a deserted area until well, Lalia restarted? It, look, it definitely helped the town. It was a flying, it was flying in and out. Yeah. You know? So so we did rebuild a camp there. We built an amazing camp. Um, yeah, it was just yeah, top of the wasser and still still really good today by standards. So. Yeah, it de definitely helped the town. Um, we had a great relationship with the town. Jim Eppis um, is the CEO there of the Shire and, um, yeah, very supportive. You know, and the town was generally very supportive. Um, yeah, I was a bit initially a bit worried about, you know, having two pubs next to our... Um, <laughs> oh, that's a trap. Yeah, it? with bloody skimpies and all of that. And But funny enough, uh, we had very, very little problems with, um, yeah. you know people blowing over and all of that kind of stuff yeah. so even when you can't control the wetty and you know they they serve full strength to midnight and whatever we had very few problems so that was yeah. that was quite an eye opener but it was uh yeah amazing experience uh, being a part of that yeah and just an unbelievable ore body i guess so because so that was i guess the t the top of that main area that yeah. they're still mining today that was so that's pretty deep is it it doesn't yeah yeah look at it, there was a hiatus and the reason why the old timers stopped the old timers were down over a kilometer deep in 1926 so oh, really? yeah it was, it's an amazing place and um anyway but there was a hiatus so the grade dropped off in that period and that's why they never went deeper again plus it would have been stinking hot there's photos of the guys you know just in you know, um, shorts, that's it. You know, the old timers yeah. working underground with their horses and, and all of that. Um, horses used to do three months on, three months off. <laughs> they used to wrap, wrap them up, take them down the skip. And yeah, uh, yeah so amazing place. Oh, geez, they would have worked there. The poor bloody horses. <laughs> like, they worked their asses yeah. off. You wouldn't want to have been a, a horse back in the day. No, no, not at all. Much better riding in the Melbourne Cup, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. oh, now, now, Regarding regarding your time at um, Leonora, now every, everyone's probably thinking, oh, I wonder if you wonder, wonder if he's going to ask the big question. I'm just going to ask yeah, you go straight out. What the hell did you bloody do wrong there, Shane? Yeah. So um, <laughs> for listeners there, I um, I came in one Monday morning and uh, got shot after nearly four years there. So um, yeah, I, I, I think that's just what happens is change of management above and. Um, people might not agree with the way you do things and uh, I never I never got told why I got shot which was really interesting but um, came into the Perth office on a on a Monday morning at 7am for an early meeting I had to be there and 7.30 I was out the door with an envelope and a taxi voucher <laughs> oh, and, I love, uh, love the taxi voucher yeah, just, uh, yeah, no, 
Got the towel. I used it. I used it. <laughs> Bloody oath you would. Did you get free parking <laughs> as well? <or? laughs> no, I didn't drive actually. But um, so that was that was pretty handy. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that was um, uh, it was a life changing in many ways for me. You know, I'd never have done what I did with Entech if it wasn't for that. Um, I thought I was heading down the the path of you know next job COO and and you know that that sort of path. Um, but yeah, I uh, I was walked out onto the street and rang my wife and uh, said I don't work there anymore, and it was just um, an amazing experience. And and I feel for people who go through that. Yeah. And um, I had good support from you know people that I know in the industry from that point. Um, you know, two days later, uh, you know, Dean Will he found out about it, rang me and said let's go for lunch, and he said look I've been there, it'll be fine. You know, there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel and, and you know, gave me a cuddle, not literally, but yeah. um, maybe he did, I don't know. But anyway... You uh, probably gave him one, I'd reckon. But, uh, you know, j- just those conversations that you have with people mean a lot and uh, I've done the same thing. Or, you know, you see, you see people, oh, you know, he's been shot, whatever, um, give him a call. That's all I can say. Give him a call and say, you know, how you going? And that's, that's really important. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd definitely do that today um, and help people out too, you know, like um, I, I know in our business, we've got spare desks and if someone finds themselves out in the street, just say, come in and come in and make some calls from our office or, you, you know, if you need the boardroom, use it or here's a Mining News account, you know, oh, sorry, Mining News, but, uh, <laughs> you know, just, just let them use one and, you know, do a bit of research and, you know, just the little things that cost you nothing, but they mean a lot. Yeah. And those people, you know, six months down the track, they're working for XYZ company and they go, Jesus, you know, these guys looked after us and, you know, oh, you've got a job for you. Oh, beautiful. So what goes around comes around. It's it's such a, you know, in this industry, you've got to go long because, um, you know, it's it's, everyone's got long memories and, uh, you know, if you do something by someone, do the right thing, it'll, it'll pay you back double. And I suppose, yeah. and I suppose you can, and you can fully say to people, just say, "Look, I know what you're going through." Yeah. Like far I've been out. there, mate. That I've point, I'll just, yeah, I'll just think of, and it's as far. I suppose when you get to that GM role, and you, you, your life just becomes accustomed to it. You, you, yeah. you get a nice house, you get a nice car, and just, and it gets ripped away from you in an instant. Like just as yeah. you said, when you walked out that door, just the, the feeling of that in your body. Yeah, just, well, it's you a, know, it was, it was very personal because. It was, you know, it wasn't like redundancy when the mind's going to shit and, you know, everyone gets made redundant. Yeah, okay, that's, I'm sure that's not a great feeling either, but this is kind of the step beyond where, oh, you, uh, you, you, you're you gone. Yeah. You know, you, you, so it's very personal, you know, it's obviously you that they don't want and, um, yeah, you got to, you got to own it, I suppose, yeah. and learn from it and move on. So, yeah, pretty tough. What were your what were your first steps? Did you try and get work straight away or...? My first step is I got the taxi voucher and I, uh, I went to Deanmore Primary School uh, Kindergarten where my daughter was and I spent the next month or two there helping yeah, me out, right. cutting oranges and uh, <laughs> I built a, uh, a, an egg carton fort which was uh, monumental. <laughs> it was pretty good, it took me a couple of days but uh, that's what I did so I just spent time with my family and, and my daughter. 
Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, oh, it's good to, good to see you didn't do the uh, stereotypical thing you see in movie and grow a massive beard and end yeah. up on the piss every night. No, 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 not at all. So, um, yeah, I got good support from my wife and, uh, yeah, and my friends. And, you know, probably this probably leads on to how Entech started. It was kind of because like, I don't like, you know, I never like consultants. You know, I, I, I just, well, you know, I just thought they were bloody fleas of the industry but um but what so you know I, I got calls and it was like oh you know Macca can you help us out with this I, um yeah okay oh well, you, you got to send me an invoice and I was like well I don't know how to send an invoice what are you, <laughs> what's what on that yeah what are you talking about can't you just pay me no no you got to send me an invoice and it was kind of and I thought oh well maybe I can start you know just to get an ABN and be a one-man band and um you know maybe that's what I do and very quickly realized that that wasn't a great model in that you know you're a resource you've got certain skills and yeah you could do a one-man band but you're going to be super busy one minute and you're going to have yeah, you know a lot of risk next well. you know yeah. so um so very quickly um you know put a business plan together and um <laughs> and to be brutally honest it was titled things i hate about consultants <laughs> <laughs> and and I wrote those dot points, and I built the business model around that. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so tried to be tried to be different, um, do things a different way. And I suppose it comes around transparency. So you know, when we send an invoice, for example, it says exactly what we did. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse. I used to get these invoices would be you know, da 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 consulting, thirty grand. I was like, what the is this for you know and then yeah. you go off but if the next page shows exactly what you did it was like yeah. oh yeah okay oh yeah i did ask him to do that you yeah, know worries yeah you know so and you know charging for photocopying and taxis and you know how much are you charge me an hour and you want me to pay eight bucks for parking you know it's you know it pisses you off as Take, a client taking the piss, yeah, yeah yeah so you just say well that's the right boom this is what we did yeah, yeah. no worries so so i built the business around that and um targeted the good people and you know my first employee Evan is still working with us today yeah. um, and probably my second, third and fourth are too as well, you know, so we, um, it was all about targeting the good people and it wasn't about being the biggest, um, but yeah, we, we built a, a good little group. Um, yeah, having having a lot of fun looking around. Awesome. Now, now before we get into the, now we're going to do a, obviously a big chunk on Nentech, I guess one question on, I want to ask is... Go back to that point before that meeting, the before when you got called into that meeting, and yeah. you're, I guess you're looking at you want to go down the COO, the yeah. the corporate role, and you look, you could have had a if you didn't get sacked there, you could have had a great a great career in the corporate side. Would have you changed what happened? Can, um, to have no, a look no, at where no, you are no, now. No. Look, people say you know one one of my best mates, Bill, he always says to me, Macca, that was the best thing that ever happened to you," yeah. and um, I can. You know that, and, and that's true. That, that's definitely true. It, it worked out really well. Um, we've got a great team, good work-life balance. We really enjoy what we do. Um, one of the good things about what we do is, it's like starting a new job every three to six months because they're the projects you work on. Um, one thing that I found, you know, if you go back to my my resume, is every two years I made a change because I got bored, did enough in that role. And, uh, and then moved on. Where this, you don't get bored because, you know, one minute you're working on 
you know, a small gold mine in Indonesia, and next thing you're working on a big copper mine in the middle of Western Australia, and then, a, you know, so you're always doing something different, learning so much. Um, yeah, so it, it is a, a dynamic um, role and a dynamic business, which is which is good. It's always fresh. Yeah, no, all yeah. Awesome, awesome business. And, and those early days, did you, as you said, you probably just, you didn't fall in it, but you said, oh, it might, might be a one-man band. Did you like identify, what, was there much competition around in the mining consultancy sort of area? I assume there's yeah. a lot more consultancies, consultants around now than there was when you started, or oh, is that no, not the No, I reckon, no, I, I, I don't think it's changed a lot, to tell you the truth. Um, I think a, a lot of the consultants got very big during the boom and then just got decimated when it all went to shit. So a lot of them are... Are smaller than they were, say in 2010, um, and then some are obviously bigger. I think the size of the of the landscape's about the same. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and I guess that that business model you were talking about is uh, correct me if I'm wrong. When you, I guess you were saying like you looked at the mining consultants and thought, oh, you know, charging me for this, and the, I guess yeah, the, the the name was tarnished for you, and you said, right, I. I'm not going to be a mining consultant. I'm going to be Shane McClay and people are going to pay for yeah. pay for me because they know what I'm about. Yeah. Look, I think what you know, our business model's got very low overheads here and that allows us to have a different price point to a lot of the bigger consultants. You know, we don't have, you know, even I, you know, I'm kind of like John Hughes at Skip Mitsubishi. I, even I still have to sell cars. So I, <laughs> so, 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 so I make, you know, I, I still got to earn <coughs> And my wages, and um, so we don't have passengers here. We've got one part-time bookkeeper. There's no one on reception. Someone walks in the door. One of the one of the girls or guys gets up, and you know, you know, how can we help? You know what I mean? So we don't have any passengers, and that allows our our business model to be to be different. You know, we don't we don't charge administration fees or anything like that. So we keep a very low overhead business, and I think if we grew beyond this, it would change that. You know, we would have to start introducing layers of um, support because yeah. you can. It's it's almost like the platoon. The platoons are that size because they can be managed by one person. So we kind of manage our business in in platoons where, um, you know, one person can know everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's simple and and it works. Yeah, and just even that, like, coming from being a. I guess a mining engineer and contractor and everything, and then as you said, coming to uh, having to learn about invoicing and and everything like that. That was just a, that'd be a whole new kettle of fish learning about oh, how yeah. to run a business. Yeah, I think um, listening to John A. Johnson's one the other day um, talking about cash flow, that is so true. Um, learning about cash and getting paid, and uh, that's huge, and especially a growing business. You know, you can employ someone, you've got to pay them basically for two or three months before you get any income from them by the time they work or they learn they work and then you invoice at the end of the month and then you get paid the month after so that cash is a long way down that's you know down the track and you soon learn all about how to manage cash it's very hard work um don't underestimate that especially when you're growing um it's it's really really quite a um an issue um but yeah i you know i'd be up to 11 o'clock at night most nights and you know, doing the business side of things and then, you know, going to work, doing a full shift during the day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard work. Um, 
yeah, you, you definitely have to go over and above. But small business, I take my hat off to anyone who gets into to business. Cause oh, it's, so do I. Mate, yeah. it's, it's hard work. And, you know, just John O. Johnson, I, uh, you know, just listen to that. I was just going, yep, yep, yep. You know, it's, it's, it's a big problem. And I think, again, a lot of the companies don't understand that. You know, they're like, oh, you know, pay 30 days and, oh, yeah, we'll string them out another 15 or whatever. You know, that's, that's wheat picks on the table. You know, that's... Uh, that's that's what they're really dealing with and you know when you see the bigger companies 60 90 days and they're also dealing with small companies as well you know that's um it's unethical you know if you ask someone to do something you should pay well and and it's as simple as that and you look at like you know they talk about uh corporate social responsibility like that's when you're a big company like you there should be some, as you said, it's an ethical ethical issue to support small business yeah, owners because yeah. you can you can send a, a successful small business owner to into a bloody person that needs charity by not bloody paying them essentially. Yeah, so, well, and businesses can definitely fall over on cash cash flow. Yeah, and and where would you? I guess if someone's um, look, someone's out there. You don't have to be listening. People probably listening that aren't involved in mining at all. I know me mum is, but um, what? What sort of avenues do you have when you're starting a business? Like just more for education and like then I gather your banks and accountants are where you start looking at. Um, I guess what what helped you initially to get the business set up? Look, um, do, look, I went to see some bookkeepers in the end and got them involved because uh, I very quickly learned that I'd be better off spending my time, you know, charging out with a client than sitting there doing the books so don't be afraid to ask for help accountants are you know that they deal with small business all the time so the one of the places i got a lot of my help from was my accountant who then put me onto the bookkeeper um and really they will help you manage your business and it'll cost you but um accounts are expensive bookkeepers are not and um you know and lean on them because they know how to do all the day-to-day um, look after the bass um, invoicing and these days with um, products like zero which is you know online accounting software um, piece of piss to use um, bookkeepers will help you out with it and um, it just keeps track of everything it's all yeah, and it's beautiful so um, yeah it's all it's all good yeah, yeah, and oh, and speaking of small business and all good, it's probably good that fucking Shorten didn't get elected either. So yeah, well, I'm um, probably going to get sued for defamation by the Labor government. So, but I don't know; they probably won't have any money after the last election anyway. Yeah, oh, no, Clive, Clive doesn't have any money. Yeah, no. <laughs> look, it it really is interesting when you see some of the policies of some of the parties. You can tell that they've never been in business or never had a proper job. Um, you know, or yeah, you can you can definitely see in the policies. The people that have been in the in the public sector sector all their life or the private sector yeah yeah no it is it's hard work out there and people need all the help they can get that's for sure yeah awesome now early, early days of ntech shane what was your i guess what was the big thing that kicked you off what what can you is there a project that you can say yeah that was our that was what got me going well there's probably a couple the the first was um we helped uh, Northern Star and the DD of Paulsons. Um, so that, that was a fair bit of work and pretty stressful for a little, you know, um, 1.9 cent company to be, you know, pulling off a $40 million deal when they had, a, their, they had about 100 grand in the bank and were worth about a million bucks. So yeah, that was, um, that was a, a good job for us to start with. And then, um, uh, we did the work for Sandfire on um, 
on De Grossa. So that was that was good. So Martin Reid, who I'd worked with in the earlier days at St Barbara, uh, worked with him. He was the COO of of Samfire and he he knew me. So someone in St Barbara, even though Martin had left, liked me. But anyway, um, <laughs> I think Solange did too. <laughs> but Martin's a champ, and um, he started more mines than we've had hot dinners and and uh he he yeah got us in and um me and uh it was basically two of us on that project for quite a number of months and we did the uh, feasibility on that the pre-phase and then the fees and then helped with contractor selection and did did a lot of work on that project and and that that was a big job for us and and obviously when you're on a high profile job like that that's great for your resume and as soon as after that we said oh look yeah, we're doing the feasibility for Samfire. It's like, oh, wow, okay, you guys are real. You know, if you were just, you know, two guys in a little office, you know, people don't really take that seriously. And and then probably the next one came a few years later when um, we did the feasibility for um, serious resources on the Nova project. So that was another one that gave us a lot of kudos in the industry and um, both those projects being very successful has um, been good for us as well. So they're probably the two landmark ones um, that you know sit on our resume quite proudly at the top. Yeah, yeah. And, when, and when you say proudly, we, we were talking about this. We were talking about the share market earlier, and just how I guess you'd look at the past decade and your three, I guess your three big success stories are Northern Star, Sandfire, and Serious Resources, yeah. and you've, you've you've been a part of that. That must be pretty pretty humbling, I'd say. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I can't say I was a shareholder in all three, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it is good. It's good to be a part of success. You know, it's um, everybody likes to win. Uh, you know, even if you're not on the footy team and you want to be the supporter, you still like to win. You know, so um, it's good that you're involved in successful projects. Um, so yeah, no, very very proud to be a part of them and, and good people to work with, all of them actually. So um, yeah, no, it's great. Awesome. Then just look, I'm just looking at your office, the the engine room. It looks like the uh, it looks like a big Tesla factory. These computers and everything, area like where. Take us where the point was where you saw yourself taken off. You're like, holy shit, I've got to buy all this computers, all the, all this software and. Yeah, I guess when you said right, it's time to. You know, you say you're not didn't want to get too big, but there's even if you're running a small show, there's still a lot of cost and yeah. setup associated with all that. Yeah, I think the big thing for us was software, mining software, because um, it's bloody expensive. You know, it's as simple as that. Computers are relatively cheap. You know, you buy a good computer for three grand and um, uh, and you're away. But you know, mining software is is horrendous and. Um, you know, you, you understand why it is. We're a niche industry, and they don't, they can't sell to. You know, it's not like uh, Apple. They've got, you know, four billion people that can buy their. Uh, you know, that's their market. You know, in mining, you're probably talking about tens of thousands. So they they need to price it high, um, and uh, yeah, it's expensive. So you know, when you're investing a small company and you you're investing, you know, fifty, hundred, two hundred grand in mining software, that that bites really hard. Hats off to them, though. You know the the software companies; they try to look after you as much as they can, but at the end of the day, they're still big numbers. And and yeah, you got to you got to try and you know you got cash flow to worry about, and then you got to you got to buy. And and uh, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. Um, yeah, I reckon all the software companies should be giving us a lot better rates, being consultants, because we're using their stuff, and that's the line I always push. But yeah. you know, they're big companies, and uh, yeah. You know, we're a small fish. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, that's that's been the biggest one. Um, but yeah, it's just gradually, you know, you just got to buy and build up and build your team. And you know, we haven't, you know, we're, we're probably about thirty people around the world, and um, and but we didn't put ten on in one year. You know, we've been two or three a year. So it's been a very steady growth over the nearly 10 years we've been running. Yeah. yeah. So, so you were, I guess you sort of so didn't, not, not survive, but you didn't feel the pressure of the downturn as much because you, as you said, you sort of, you didn't get too big too quick. Yeah. You just sort of cru- cruise through at your own pace, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Look, a lot of consultants fell into the trap of just employing anyone with a heartbeat because they could put them out there, you know, exorbitant rates and they did and then as soon as obviously the downturn came they had to cull hard and um some of them you know had to go right back um we didn't put anyone off not one person um yeah so that's you know i think we were the right size and we had the right people you know we we got great people we're um you know most of our people are starting to head towards um, long service leave, leave, which is freaking me out a little bit. But <laughs> there's another cash flow problem coming up. But, um, but I tell you what, it's expensive employing people too and training people. So um, I'm not too worried about that. You know, they're um, yeah, great great team. So yeah, we're very lucky we never had to cull. We just didn't employ anyone that year. That was yeah. probably the main thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess the, the early days, as compared to now, were you, I guess we'll refer to it as being on the tools, on the yeah. on the software side of things. Where you, you're obviously pretty he- heavily involved in it early on. And, yeah. And I guess take us take us from those early days to what I guess what your role within Ntech is now. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Yeah, definitely more on the tools in the early days. But then, you know, probably in the last five years, it's been more on the um, more on the business development and you know making sure that we've got the pipeline of work coming. So you interviews know, with the media, interviews, like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, this is my first one. So uh, <laughs> I'm flattered, mate. Yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely spend more time on the business <laughs> services side um, now. Although can't help but get my hands dirty. Um, yeah, love getting up to mine sites and most recently been to a few and really enjoyed it. Um, you know, if we, we do a lot of DD for purchases and, and whatever, I'd, I'm front and centre on that. I love it. Um, you know, getting in and seeing where people are at and what they're doing. And yeah, I really love the industry and yeah, just, just enjoy it. Really enjoy it. Yeah. And I guess the DD side, which I assume is due, due yeah. diligence. Um, yeah. Okay, is that a pretty, I guess, a sort of niche market you're specialising? Because I've heard uh, you've been involved in a, a lot of that stuff. Is that yeah? Like, we class that as one of Ntech's sort of specialties. Um, yeah, of course. One of one of many, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, look, it is. It probably, you know, it's not half our work. It's probably, you know, there was no DD to do during the downturn. Don't worry about that. And there's a bit more going on now. But um, yeah, look, it is something that we do and and we get right into. Um, yeah, re- really interesting work, you know, reviewing and looking for fatal flaws. Um, you know, you, there's been some high profile collapses of, you know, and, you know, more recently. And, you know, the, the question I ask my people is if, you know, and we weren't involved in, which is good, but if we were involved, you know, what would we have looked for to realise that that project was going to fail? And, you know, we've had good discussions here about that to try and understand it. and. 
Um, and I think a lot of it comes back to the resource. You know, it's all about the gold has to be in the ground. You can have the greatest mine plan the world's ever seen, but if the gold's not in the ground or the metal's not in the ground, then you're destined to fail. So it's like, okay, well, how do you how do you ensure that? You know, so just yeah. So the DD is really really interesting um, because there's so many aspects of the business. You know, there's obviously the the, the resource, but then also the the, the mining cost. And, and then the metallurgy, you know, can you can you actually extract it? And then there's the marketing, you know, gold's easy, you just go and sell it to the mint, but if you've got a concentrate, you know, or, you know, can, can you, is there a market for your concentrate? So yeah, there's a lot of aspects to the business. We don't do all of them. We, we get people to help us with some of them, but um, definitely on the geology, mining, geotech, you know, that side of it, that's, that's right in our alley. And yeah, we can, yeah, we, we get right into reviewing it for different people for purchases or, uh, banks, we work for a few banks and do yeah. a bit of lending and stuff like that. So yeah, awesome. Now, yeah. now specifically on that, I guess we won't mention specific mines that have fallen over. Like, and after those these chats you've had with you guys, what what do you see the I guess your key risks of why mines, some of these mines do fall over to for I guess not for no apparent reason, but shock to the market. What are, what are, what are the big things that usually bugger mines up? Um, Besides grade, <laughs> well. No, that, that that is the main one. It's yeah. great, you know, like um, if you look at this, you know, it's not hard to pick up West Australian probably today and you can see two issues that are going on and they're both grade related. They're both resource related. Um, so that's what we're seeing at the moment. But I think going forward, we're going to see more pressure on um, uh, mining costs and productivity because things are getting busier and what we're seeing is more pressure on the market. Um, for people, human capital, and um, and yeah, we're going to see. I think we're at risk now of not having enough people on mine sites, or the wrong people on mine sites, and therefore uh, performance is the is the risk. So that's where I think we're moving into that stage now, that we we simply don't have enough bumps on seats because there's, you know, what what happened last time during the boom, we had, you know, um, base, you know, our hard rock, which we're in, going nuts. But then we also had iron ore going nuts and oil and gas going nuts. So people were just moving up the ladder, you know, to those industries. And us in hard rock, even though the prices were good, we couldn't get people, we couldn't get gear. Um, you know, all the supplies were expensive and and nobody made any money like during the boom in hard rock. You know, it was really, really tough. Um, this time, you know, oil and gas is a bit quieter, but iron ore is going nuts. It's over 100 bucks US a a ton at the moment you know those iron ore companies are making a hundred dollars a ton which you know and they're punching out 250 million tons a year plus you know the big ones do the numbers on that i don't i haven't got enough zeros on my calculator to run what that number is especially the shortage from varley look it's uh yeah it's it's just very in demand and in hard rock you know then you're starting to see all the fitters and electricians and they start heading in because you know into those industries and then they come out of come out of hard rock and i think i think that is the risk for us and people really need to be making sure that they've got a, a contingency plan on that or, or a good plan, making sure that they have got fitters and electricians and underground operators and engineers and surveyors and geos. And yeah, so pressure's gonna come on. Yep, and because and we were discussing it before and, and this is this conversation, this, this pops up every pop, podcast episode I've done usually, it's just, it's this skill shortage and, and look, where do we start? It's as we said, like we, you got to get people involved out of school, and whether it's um, like, look, if you want to be a mining engineer, people or 
it doesn't mean you have you need a bat, you need to go to uni and get a mining engineering degree after four years so i just think there's you might do it eventually but i think there's just so so much opportunity to get say get some kids out of school get them working in mining and and like unis to offer like uh i guess your distance education and long-term cadetships where they're working and studying and it's when the mining industry isn't waiting all these years to get to get these yeah. people get those bums on seats essentially yeah. i think there's there's two things there's the short term and then there's the long term and i think the short term is you know who can we train up in the next 12 months to do those roles you know what exactly what you're talking about because you know there's a lot of surveys for example that have come up as technicians you know and they haven't got proper survey degrees but they can do the job just fine beautiful you know there's there's a one month a one year plan but um i think we need to go back to high school like in all honesty the industry needs to get into the high schools to get the kids into uni um uh, to get them out the other end and and that's where the efforts need to be and you know it's not too late i I think because you know me and you we're still gonna be around in eight years time so you know that that that's that's where the effort needs to go and i don't feel we're putting that effort in because you know you got to educate the kids and then you got to educate their parents um as well because um you know no parent in their right mind would have let their kid be a mining engineer um, when on the front page of West Australian, it's all about doom and gloom about the mining industry. You're going to say, oh, no, no, you don't want to be a mining engineer. You know, that's that, that, that that's dead. Exactly. Um, it's exactly you know, what so, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we, we need to go right back and we need to go long and we need to say, right, how are we going to, uh, how are we going to get people in? And, and it starts in the high schools. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, I guess, good, and you've got to give options to these people that mightn't want to go to uni. Like it's, and it's even like mining contractors and and everything promoting going to schools and say promoting a lot of someone people are looking for apprenticeships and stuff say look just come we've got a job on the truck for you here right here right now and get getting people involved as soon as they turn 18 to just go and work underground because it's it's under the underground is such a great pathway to like god you look at these guys that you know mightn't have done so well at school now they're, they're jumbo operators earning over two hundred thousand bucks a year and they've got the greatest life work and week on week off like that's yeah. the mining industry provides opportunities to so so many different facets of life and yeah. there's so much opportunity within it and yeah. and we've got to, i guess you've got to look at maybe even going back to that principle of your camp outer days you've got to treat perth like a little mining town yeah. And and get people in there doing vac work at mine mine sites. It's yeah. a, it's probably a bit hard with the age restriction being well, it's eighteen. Under, yeah. 18 yeah. Oh, there's other things to do on a mine site. So yeah. go and cut some core or do anything. Get in, and probably to you know people that are interested in the mining industry. We assume that some of them listening to you might be interested in the industry, or or even people that are in it. You know, probably the most of the opportunities I've had throughout my career, I've asked for. You know, I, I, as a young junior engineer, I walked into the underground manager's office at Black Swan with some scribblings on a page and said, oh, look, I reckon we should do the mine design like this. And by the way, I want to, I want to, do, I want to design the mine. And I'd never used Serpac. And he said, oh, I like that idea. And he, you know, he pointed me in the direction of the surveyors who could help me out, see why, and, and Dougie. And, um, uh, yeah, and sat there beside him and... Lo and behold, next thing I'm the mine design engineer. Yeah. You know, if I didn't ask for it, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. Or it might have come later. And so I think people need to go and ask the question. You know, you might might know there's an opportunity there, but if you don't ask, you don't get. 
don't ask, you don't get it. It's uh, pretty simple. Um, yeah, you have a, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. So, yeah, put your hand up and uh, and look for opportunities. Yeah, and as you, as you can hear from the way Shane explains his early days and his God, even after, how many years you've been in mining now? It's coming up 25. 25 yeah, and, yeah. and still as passionate as ever and and i'm the same it's just mine it's just it's a industry that you can get just get so passionate about because there's so much opportunity and it's just honestly it's just fucking good fun yeah the simplest way to put it it's just good fun that's why when you explain to people what you do i'll show them um, videos of the jumbo on youtube and and even just you tell them about explosives and people are just bedazzled about what you actually do just charge up's fun oh yeah that was probably one of my favorite and a lot of the fun fun things you probably can't we can't say on air <laughs> <laughs> that probably happened in the day but uh yeah and yeah. it's yeah that's it and god it's a there's this um well, he was a truckie come up to me the other day he was just like he's just he's like, oh dear like have you done charge up before he's like he's like oh is it real loud like he was just this guy like mate you are i'm going straight to the foreman and you're going to be me fucking nipper <laughs> you are you you're hanging with me because yeah. this kid was just so passionate and yeah, he's, he's just ready to go yeah. like, this guy's got to be the quickest bolt thrower in history so i'll be uh yeah i'll be getting him bloody off forget his name i should have got his name actually oh yeah. awesome shite now um the the vent the venturing overseas that's the now yeah, this yeah. is this is pretty interesting how did you think in your wildest dreams you would have an office in vancouver no no <laughs> so it's um Vancouver, um, I had a year off when I was working with Elton and um, me and my girlfriend at the time, which is, I can safely say, is my wife now. Um, oh, we, 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 we had a year, a year off and we travelled around the world and, um, and we spent about eight months in Vancouver. Like We fell in love with the place. And um, actually, I tell a lot, I have had a job outside of mining and it was, uh, it was selling cars in Vancouver. So, yeah, right. uh, yeah so I was working for Metro Town Mazda. Literally in, selling iced Eskimos <laughs> in bloody Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, worked over there, lived over there and, and just thought this is a great town and then moved on. And then um, uh, a, a fellow who has worked for me a couple of times, Jason Allen, um, he... He uh, met a Vancouver girl in um, in Kalgoorlie. She was she was on her overseas experience, and and he fell in love and married her. And they were living out here, and then they had to go back to Vancouver. But he was working for me, and um, and he'd worked for Golders over there before. And uh, he says, "Oh, look, I'm going to have to go back to Vancouver." And it was like, "Well, uh, what are you going to do? I'll probably go and get another job with Golders or whatever." I said, "Well." hang on a minute, why don't you just keep working for us and we'll set up over there? Oh, okay. And then uh, before we knew it, one of the other guys said, shit, I'd like to go over there. Um, so the two of them set up and um, Tim Stokes, he'd worked for me at Gwali, he's another one of the Gwali guys. And and uh, so Jason, Tim went over there in the height of the downturn and set up, set up shop, got a little office and um, yeah, they were two people for about three years in an office over there and now there's half a dozen there and four in Toronto. So, you know, we kind of just grew from that. Yeah. And um, yeah, geez, he, he did tough over there. It's yeah. really, really tough early on. I reckon probably 80, 90% of the work those guys were doing was from Australia. And I reckon today it's the opposite. They've, they've kicked lots of goals over there and got great contacts and actually got a few, few Canucks working for them now. And, um, but yeah, done, it, done a great job and hats off to Jace. Um, He's, he's run that and 
got a got a good team there now and yeah and we we do some good stuff over there and got some great clients and see a different part of the world and learn about cooling you know heating air going yeah, into right. a mine yeah. like oh, just imagine telling an australian you got to bloody heat the air that goes into the mine just chuck a bogger at the portal <laughs> and you rev its guts out yeah well, was, yeah no it's amazing you know have big propane burners that they have to heat the air to go in the mine yeah and some of the mines are that deep they've actually got to cool it once it gets down there oh really so you got to heat it then cool it you know uh. just these different things that you see but at the end of the day it's not too dissimilar um but yeah, a lot of lot of things we can learn from them, and a lot of things that they can learn from us. You know, in the two industries. Very, very diplomatic of you. So, well, no, they do. Some tell, good us, stuff. tell us about the, I guess, the the people that ask, and and I'm sure there's a reason for it. Is why they don't bolt with jumbos over there. Yeah, it's a good question, and they can't really give you a good answer. Um, some mines, there is a mine uh, that does it. I think it's the TMAC mine up in the Arctic Circle, I think they do it. And it's probably because there's an Australians there, I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's really hard work trying to get them to change. Um, they, you know, they mine on a, on a scissor lift effectively with a, um, you know, a hydraulic boom on the front. Um, yeah. you know, the, is that what they call the Boltex, is it? No, it's a McLean Bolter. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, you know, if you brought one in over here, you would, you know, you get laughed out of town. It's it's really, really quite interesting. Um, you know, they, they don't really use ITs, you know. So there's, you know, they, they use scissor lifts and, you know, different things. So, you know, things are done differently. And, and I think we kind of need to learn on both sides because they do a lot of things better than we do as well. They do infrastructure yeah. better. You know, these are general comments, obviously. There's lots of examples, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't really get why they don't bolt with a jumbo. I think um, Northern Star at Pogo, you know, they, they will change that there to be bolting with a jumbo. Um, they just have so many machines, you know, lots and lots of machines. Like on an Australian mine site that might have five or six jumbos, you know, over there you might have five or six jumbos and five or six bolting machines, you know, yeah. basically doing the same thing. Are they, um, what about their advance rates? That is it? Does it affect... Like, is it? Can they achieve the same advance rates? Nah, g generally they're lower. Generally yeah. they're lower. Um, you know, and I, th I think that's that's why you see, you know, uh, Barminka on Burncut doing really well in places like Africa, yeah. um, because they take that high speed development model um, to the world, and um, Africa's really picked up on it. And those guys are doing great stuff over that way. Um, yeah, d you, you know, we definitely have different numbers we use in canada than australia in in what's achievable yeah. and you know you know and i think the contractors are starting to see the opportunities in north america um to bring that skill set in um because i think it is warranted yeah yeah, yeah well they because we had i think because they, they take a lot shorter rounds over there i'm pretty sure because i remember we had a american guy came out because it's all it's all in foot over there we had an american guy come to telfar and we're putting a 4.9 steel on the rail is like oh my god you're gonna use all that fucking steel <laughs> that's <laughs> it yeah I yeah. Think they, yeah i think that's 10 a foot they'll use a 10 foot you yeah. know like three meters and yeah three meter cuts is not not uncommon yeah yeah, yeah. no it is it's it's different yeah um, do, you, do you get over there much to yeah try to get over there a couple of times a year yeah yeah good excuse um, for a holiday anyway oh, for the you know <laughs> it's a very good excuse for a holiday yeah no look it's <laughs> I don't know if you haven't been to Vancouver. Um, I think 
you know, there's so many Aussies over there. Um, they're just blown away. It's such a beautiful city, yeah. um, beautiful and clean. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful city, um, you know, very similar to country to, you know, South Island, New Zealand. And, yeah, yeah you know, just so different to the gold fields. It's not funny. It's just chalk and cheese. But very, yeah. very nice people to yeah, yeah, Canadians yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, all, all very good people. Um, you know, they, they get Australians and Australians get them. So we, we get along really well with them. And, yeah, no, they, it's good. It's a good part of the world. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's always good to get a trip over there at ski season and sneak up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to do something on the weekend. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. go over for that just no. in itself. No, yeah. no, no. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I guess uh, before we – I guess we'll go – I guess you can give listeners about what NTech does. There's one thing I want to, like – want to ask you about because you've had such a, a I guess a celebrated and colourful and diversified mining career after 25 years Shane is there one thing that you haven't done that yet that you want to get into with NTech I'll probably put you on the spot here sorry but is there one thing that you sort of chase oh, I haven't done that yet and I'm keen to, keen to have a crack at that well probably um, you know one thing that underground mining really fails in um is is technology and i think i think you know starting to see some signs of uh of smoke there you know but i think we really need to push forward on technology like if you have a look at you know automated trucks in the um you know in the iron ore and you know that type of stuff you know the opportunities there are quite large but in underground i can honestly say that nothing is different or very you know, not materially different than when I started, you know, in the mid-90s. And I, I think, you know, it's pretty simple. We don't have GPS underground and, you know, it's very hard to have Wi-Fi and it's very hard to have 4G, where in the, you know, in surface you can have all three. Um, so, you know, we it's, it's not because we're lazy, it's because it is hard to get that technology working properly underground. So, you know, we're, we're trying to um, work with a, a few groups on 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 changing that and and getting um getting access to data and then making smarter decisions underground the classics ventilation on demand people talk about it you know that that's simply you ventilate the mine how much it needs rather than just turn it up to 11 and just leave it on you know 24 7 you know um one thing about australia we've got really high energy cost and ventilation uses a lot of energy, you know. So, so is that looking at like variable speed secondary yeah, fans, yeah, for an example? Yeah, but yeah. even variable speed primary fans, we, we yeah. kind of got them, but we don't control them, Yeah, you know. So put some sensors underground and control them. And, you know, I think that's got a big, um, a big opportunity for us relatively cheaply to, to change the price point on a lot of mines because, yeah. you know, obviously most mines in WA burn diesel. Well, a lot of mines burn diesel, you know, for generate generation of electricity so um we we can't afford to waste electricity you know in in canada they might pay six cents a unit in mines in australia we'll pay 20 to 30 you know so that's a massive massive difference so we've got to get some technology down the hole um to change that and to make um better decisions um autonomate some equipment um make it easier to autonomate equipment um, so yeah, that's that's probably something that I see in our future of well, whether we're directly or indirectly involved. Um, you know, jury's out, but but that's probably what we need to do. Um, you know, if you've got a problem on your jumbo, what do you, what do you have to do? 
get on. Oh, no, just bloody hit it with a rock. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but, it. Yeah. But you know, where you, do you start? But, but how, how do you talk? How, how do you contact people if you have a problem on the jumbo? Two two, two way, way. two yeah, way. So, walk to the walk to the point where the two way works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it hasn't changed, you know. But you know, most other industries don't have that problem. You know, they they can um, directly talk. You know, video, take phone. You know, phone calls. Whatever needs to happen. Um, you know, you can do um, from the machine, but we can't do that. We're on a two way, and then someone comes down and he needs to get something, and goes all the way back. You know, so those inefficiencies we need to stamp out using a bit of bit of smarts. Yeah. So, yeah, and and look, we're 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 the size we want to be here um, in in Perth. Um, probably a little bit of room for growth in Canada, but you know, we we don't want to take over the world. We're we're pretty happy enjoying what we do. I think if we were double the size, we'd probably make less money and have less fun. So why would we want to do that? And you'd be grey. I would be grey. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, we, we, we enjoy coming to work and we have a bit of fun and, um, you know, we, we've I've grown up with these people, you know, now. We've had weddings and children and whatever together, you know, with the, with the team we got here. Um, we'll just... Uh, you know, stick together and enjoying what we do. So yeah, we're, we're not going to double in size or anything like that. We'll just. Oh, I reckon. I reckon you might be playing down this technology. I reckon I'm sitting in the presence of the Australian mining version of Elon Musk coming up here with all the technology innovation. Watch, watch this space. It excites me that like, and as you say, it's a very uninnovative thing. And just look for any, any sort of technological opportunities to. Yeah. yeah, don't don't go turning the vent down on me in my head, and but I want it howling. No, 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 no. So I think the keys, <laughs> the keys, not to vent too much. Yeah, not not to, you know, we, we've got to measure the atmosphere before we turn it down. That's that's yeah. the key. But yeah, I understand that these mines are hot, but yeah. that's a problem too that needs to be solved. You know, so yeah, exactly. and technology can can help solve those problems. So, yeah, yeah, because you know. The ventilation might be there, but it's just in the wrong place. So yeah. we've got to make sure it goes to the right place. You know that type of stuff. So. Yeah. No, there, yeah. There, there is a lot of opportunity. No, that, that's very exciting, Shane. Awesome. Um, now, I guess let's just before we uh, close it up here, just give us give listeners a rundown about I guess Entech and the the services you provide. This this might be bloody based on the diversity. This might be another half hour once you go oh, through no, what, no, you, I'll, what I'll, you provide. But uh, I'll, I'll make sure short. I'll tell I'll put in the post the tune in for an hour and twenty five for the plug. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what what do you provide, Shane? And what? yeah, so so we um, we started off as primarily mining engineers. So probably about half our team would be mining engineers. So we do. Uh, feasibility studies um, is probably, or studies of any size, would probably be, you know, more than half of our work. Um, we've also, we do resource geology. So we've got, you know, th- uh, four or five resource geologists. We've got um, geotech. So we've got three geotech engineers. Um, we've also got a little survey department. We've got five or six surveyors and we do the UAV stuff plus the traditional you know underground and surface surveying um and we have a dedicated vent consultant who's um who loves it he's uh, he's all vent you got to uh, find someone that loves vent because notorious and that, we've found him that's a, that's Yarko a great loves I, saw, vent. I saw that on your website and i'm like that is just such an awesome idea because like you know notoriously primary and secondary vent surveys no one wants to do them and you've as you say you got you offer offer a guy that can come do that for you i, I think that's a, just a yeah. awesome 
Yeah, no, look, we, we actually tried to find, well, one of our clients said, oh, we need a proper vent servo, you know, done and da-da-da. And uh, we went, okay, so we rung around, there's none. Yeah. So we uh, put that out and employed one and brought him over from East, Eastern States and um, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's he's actually over overseas at the moment on a on a mission. Um, but yeah, loves it, lives it and breathes it. Yeah. He's all over it. Ah, yeah, good. On no, it's good. I guess where I guess where you then sort of diversified into geotech, geology, surveying, all yeah, yeah well, it's all, all the boxes. Yeah, it's all about finding the right person to like run that part of the business. So you want you want um, you know a great geotech. Um, who's going to sit at the top and look after his team because I don't know enough about geotech to, to manage them. So, you know, you get a manager in, he looks after his little team. And, yeah, so we, uh, we'll we probably get it, you know, if the if the right people come along, one or two more of those, um, they're like bloody rock and all shit at the moment as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, we, you know, we'd rather put on no one rather than the wrong person. So, yeah, yeah if, no. we, if we've got this team in... Five years' time, we'll say be it. We'll be happy, but... You might have a second round of long service to... <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, if you keep I know, going. I know. No, I, yeah. was very, I was very impressed earlier with... Um, Shane showed me the the aerial surveying equipment and what the... I guess the, the capabilities of of that at the moment. It looks unbelievable for the... Not just for actual surveying, for the geotechnical yeah, mapping. Yeah, yeah, that's... Tell them about that. Yeah, that's kind of something we um, we developed is... Or worked hard on he's actually using the uavs to um, take detailed photographs of the um, pit walls turn them into a 3d of the pit wall and then the geotechs can do the mapping and and structural mapping and everything of that and that's um that's something that could never really been done before um till the technologies come along um you can't get detailed photos of of walls halfway up a wall you know post so um, yeah, that's that's been quite a successful thing for us, and um, more and more people find out about it the more they want it. But yeah, you can do some great work with it, just using the UAVs. Um, yeah, as long as the eagles don't take them out, they're uh, they're wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, awesome. Uh, well, well, thanks so much for all this, Shane. Now, if anyone wants to look, uh, you, you're probably not going to need uh, the podcast to get any extra business. But uh, look, if someone might be listening, and might want to uh, give you a call. What's the what's the best way to Get in contact with Entech, mate. Yeah, just um, I suppose just the the website. Um, just look for Entech Mining or or something like that. Google us. That's probably the uh, easiest way. I'll chuck the website and uh, everything up on the the Facebook post. Facebook rules the world these days. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, that's great. No, nah, awesome. Thanks very much. And look, it's just it's a great testament to, to business owners like yourself. And it's just you you've done so well. But it's all just the foundation of you just it's all run by great blokes usually and um that's a great thing about successful small businesses it's all just run by good people and you've been uh awfully hospitable to me today um allowing me in here with me au and parked out the front of your office mate so uh yeah th- thanks very much mate and um it was great to uh meet you again and uh look look forward to we might even do plenty more round twos with Entech, mate yeah no worries um no thanks very much for the opportunity and and hats off to yourself for doing the podcast. I've pissed myself listening to it um, on the way to work. Um, really enjoyed enjoyed Tucker. That was bloody hilarious. Oh god, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, a, that's I, a... I, got, I got some stuff out of that. Don't worry about that, Tucker. It was really good. But um, as I said, you know, one guy messaged me and said this guy should go around mine sites just to improve morale because yeah, he's for, look, for the roughest guts, yeah. bloody scumbag that he is. He's got such a good attitude, you know, and he's. Um, 
you know, just having the, you know, what, what he had to say, I thought was was really good. He's three A's in that, and I'm not going to give him away. You should listen to it, everyone. Um, it was really good. But hats off to yourself for doing this, and to your wife for letting you out. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you should be home mowing the lawn or doing whatever you should be doing. <laughs> As I said on the one last night with Turnsy, I'm bloody. I'll keep reiterating now. She wants to kill me all the time for doing this, but she's a bloody absolute legend and changed yeah, my life, I'm, and I love her very much. Yeah, and I think I think most people that um, you know do things outside of their work and you know like I did when I started my business having having someone behind you is really important and having that support yeah they can give you shit that's part of the game but um, yeah. yeah but I, I know she I'm sure she quietly uh, is quite happy about what yeah. you're doing oh, and, and getting out there having a go oh the worst thing is half the time she's usually bloody right too so <laughs> and she's a bookkeeper so if I oh, bloody well, make millions out of this she can send an invoice for me so yeah, I don't yeah. have the trouble you did back yeah. in the early days yeah no uh, that's good awesome mate thank thanks so much again and um oh look oh, we've got to sign off with a message what, what's your what's your one message to everyone one after your 25 years what have you what have you got to pass on and i'll do it in more. well one thing that i did really enjoy uh working underground was being bogger operator and going to some mines lately i don't see a lot of gray lines painted up and i don't know how the hell you can bog properly without it so my sign off is to paint up your bloody grey line. <laughs> nice, that's the first one anyone's actually done. Uh, good on you, Shane. Thanks very much, mate. Okay, mate. Over and out, everyone. See ya.